oh man, I need to go to Blackpool next year. I will be going to opening weekend next year. Why don't you come this weekend? Can't afford it, mate. Joke. Damn. It's not just the park, you know, it's the train and everything. It's It's a pain in the arse, isn't it? It really is. And I'm only in the Midlands. I'm not even, you know, that far down, but... There should be a non-stop train from London to get you there in an hour. That would be great. Or they should just build the big one starting in London. That would work. If they did it in a straight line, it probably would go. Yeah. (laughs) How long do you think that coaster is? It's pretty long. It's It's pretty straight. It's one of the two I've been on at Blackpool. If you straightened yeah, out you've... Jeff, if you straightened out Jeffrey's cheesy triangles of hatred. Excuse me. <laughs> what? Right. That's what you the um, what was the, that the, the first quote unquote airtime hill um, <laughs> has been dubbed because coaster elements generally have a name, quite often named after their creator. Like you have the Stengel dive, for example. Uh, so we've dubbed the uh, first quote unquote airtime hill on the big one as the Jeffrey Triangle because um, oh, it's just it's just a big <laughs> triangle. Nice, a the big boring is- triangle, and you trundle up it and then you trundle back down again. Welcome to the Theming and Memeing Podcast, the most immersive podcast on the internet. Here's your hosts, Lewis, Jess, and Jake. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Theming and Memeing podcast. My name is Evil Lewis, and I am joined, as always, by the founding father of the Theming and Memeing podcast, and the first person in history to ever use mayonnaise as a pasta sauce. It's Jake. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, you're going to make a joke. Yeah. That'll be the mayonnaise, mate. That was a desperate time. We don't talk about that. Well, we just did. I am also joined, as always, by uh, the the lady who is uh, dear to all of our hearts and my very own internet daughter. It's Jess. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me, and I'm confused and upset. Well, a little bit bit horny. There's only so many Franklin jokes I can make. (laughs) Ah, that's Um, true. Very fair. (laughs) And of course, I have to introduce our very special guest this evening. He's a living legend. He makes theme park audio, although you may not know that because he doesn't really talk about it. Um, it's the <laughs> amazing Mr. Nick Hudson. Hello. Woo-hoo. We need to, we need to add like you know like that sound bite of all the kids going yay. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> we need to start doing that. We're now getting we're now getting into the the, the nitty gritty of actual important people in the community. And in the industry, deciding really that I'm going to edit that in. Reason. Yes, you dickhead. <laughs> for right. some bizarre reason, people who are quite important in the industry have deemed us worthy of their time. So, Jake, make a fucking effort for once. Right. <laughs> That's him told. <laughs> well, lovely to be on the show. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us, Nick. Yeah, we'll try not to make this too painful for you. Um, so, we'll start out with uh, just with a quick intro. So, thank you to our lovely patrons, uh, Jack Gibbs, Theme Park Pete. And special thanks to Matt Clay, who you are now seeing the new, lovely new visuals, our new logo and everything. Uh, thanks Ooh, to him. Fancy. Um, he did that. 
I like to think it was me, but I'm not that good. And another quick mention, uh, some of you may have heard of Coasterbot. I'm sure you have. He was on the podcast previously. Never uh, he's, cur- he's, currently got, he's currently done a cycling challenge where he did three Merlin Parks in one day and cycled between them. And he did he's, that, yeah. he's done his challenge, so well done, Harry. Clap. Um, but he has a GoFundMe, which is almost at the target, so I'll link it in the description. Um, if you could go and support him, that would be great, because we love Harry. I thought it was called Coast yeah. to Click. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fuck's sake. <laughs> what is this podcast? I don't know. Coast to Click, I couldn't tell you. Um, anyway, <laughs> so today we have the wonderful Nick Hudson on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's all right. You're welcome. And so for people who may not know uh, who you are, but have probably heard your stuff, uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? I am a composer of music in the attraction industry that's how i like to put it and been doing that for the past five years uh also do podcasting and a bit of journalism and bits and bobs and some cabaret audio in the olden days and um a bit of theater here and there and idents for vlogs and stuff like that so general noise that you might hear around because, I mean, I remember uh, I used to... In fact, I, I heard you before I ever really knew who you were because I used to listen to the uh, Season Pass, which you're a part of. Great podcast. You used to listen to the Season Pass. Well, um... nice. Oh, <laughs> damn. No, I, 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 I absolutely see where you're coming from because the minute you start to do your own podcast, you lose interest in all the other podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I didn't it mean gets... it like that. No, it's all right. Um, uh, it, but, but thank you. Yes, it's uh, that's been a big part of my life for about sort of 10 years now, I think. Yeah, I think wow. when I first heard you, it was on one of your ERT episodes, and it was about um, you sort of first tackling uh, scare mazes and sort of getting oh. over that fear. That was, I think, those, those are the first ones I heard a few years ago. I'm yes. definitely going to have to have a listen to that because I am so scared about Scarefest this year. But I've been told that I have to go; it's compulsory. But I'm it shit is. myself. <laughs> what are you scared of? Everything. <laughs> I mean, c- can you do dungeon attractions? Yes. So for me, getting over scare, for me, the kind of added, it's like you have roller coasters and then you have roller coasters that go upside down, which is that different, that next level. Yeah. But you have the dungeon, then you have things with actors that jump out at you, which I think is the, the thing people are scared of. Yeah, it's, it's the jump scare that gets me. I've done yeah. like a, a really low key scare attraction that was in the woods in uh, County Durham, which is near where I used to live. Isn't that just County Durham in the first place? Ah. Yeah, pretty much, to be fair. It's just a massive forest full of zombies. Um, And that wasn't too bad. That was actually a lot of fun. But Mm. from the non-spoiler but brief descriptions of Scarefest I've had, like that was us all in a big group running through the forest screaming because there were zombies there. Scarefest is very much a personal thing, isn't it? Mm. It can be can be but you're still it when i it was fright nights i did for the first time in 20 (laughs) or something and it was the first year that saw was there and my living uh uh, what's it called um my bloody valentine um and all the other lionsgate things and i was scared but it's just so funny it is because, hilarious. And that is what you rely on. And Darren Brown talks about this, you know, 
and the dungeons do. We laugh and we get scared. It's a release. It's a release of all these wonderful chemicals in our body and adrenaline and stuff. And I think, you know, if you are, we all are theme park fans, and it's great once we get over our fear of scare mazes because it opens up a whole new world of things that we can appreciate. So I think you'll be proud of yourself, Jess, when you do it. And I, I wrote an article about this for Theme Park Tourist, and the worst thing you can do to yourself is not do it because you're just putting that fear back into your body. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely going to do it because there's no point in paying for the experience and then no. deciding not to do it. And I was meant yeah. to start last year and I was going to go in the deep end and start with Halloween Horror Nights. Mm. But, well, they're not scary. They're just beautiful. Well, they are very beautiful. Uh, but as someone who is, an absolutely massive horror fan, but genuinely, I have to put myself in a situation, like, I have to prepare myself for, like, three days when I watch a horror film. Mm. Like, to, to like just sit and think and read everything I possibly can read about it without actually spoiling it. And then make sure that every window's open, all of the lights are, like, on, even if it's daytime, and just sit and be like, it's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so superstitious. Even though I know that it's an actor who is literally getting paid to scare me and they think it's hilarious that they've scared me. I'm just entirely convinced that, yes, I know that the pig from Saw isn't real, but it absolutely is real because it's right. Uh, I'm going to die. All they do is that. (laughs) So if you get yourself immune to that noise, it's fine. (laughs) Well, that's It shit shit me up a bit when you did that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, I mean, on part psycho- psychotherapy. <laughs> God. In in the case of Scarefest, though, I don't. I mean, I, I don't want to sell them short, but um, you say you know it's you know it's just an actor. But in the case of Scarefest, it's it's just a kid from Stoke with face paint on. Yeah. So you love saying that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 you true. love saying no, that because but... that's the only thing that got you through Scarefest, you knobhead. <laughs> no, but I, okay, I, I yeah. So the acting, the acting talents at. at Alton Towers is very, very, very good. No, um, it actually is again, and, and you know that's a, a cheap throwaway line, and I don't yeah. want to sell them short on you know on the quality of their performances because I was very impressed by the whole thing. Last year was my first Scarefest, by the way, Nick. I, just for full disclosure, to, you know, to give a bit of context to what I'm saying there. My um, my first was in 2015, and yeah, that was only because I did all of it, and had I not done a lot of the attraction music, I said um, to Pete Cliff, who was in charge at the time, especially about subspecies, I said, if I wasn't involved with this, I would never, ever go through subspecies in my life. Have fun, <laughs> have yeah. fun in it, Jess. Um, yeah, Matthew was really worried when he heard that you were coming on and he was like, you need to tell Nick in advance, don't spoil subspecies because I'm so excited to put you in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think of it as well. I'm excited but, to probably shit myself and die and get kicked out. It's a I lot did of fun. species in the first year and it was mental. I've never done a maze like it. It was so intense and full on. It was so different to anything even Towels had done. It was mad. It was great, Nick. And I did Molly Crow in that that year. That was the same year. Oh, um, glad someone liked it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the end scene. Come on. Yes, the end scene was wonderful. That took... 38 drafts of that audio and we were still changing it two days into the attraction. A lot oh, wow. of care and attention went into that. Um, 
and it's kind of lived on through the dungeons. Is Molly Lee and Molly Crow the same kind of story? I don't know. Oh yeah, we I, I noticed that parallel when I went through. To be fair, yeah, it's similar. Yeah. Molly, I don't I know nothing about Alton Towers. Molly Crow is the the bitch on thirteen, right? <laughs> I don't think that's a technical term, and I, I've never heard that. <laughs> I've never heard that theory before. Um, Molly Crow. Molly Crow is the the bitch that put the curse on the chain door, and then she ended up getting fucked up by some. No, I don't think that's right. Wraiths. And then I feel they... like you've combined like three or four different Alton <laughs> Tower stories and local and then, legends and then, there into one <laughs> bastard hybrid. And then um, ended up in uh, a chocolate factory. Um, no, I, I think it's just Towers loving horror, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, Towers is essentially a horror, a goth lover's park. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I very much got that vibe. Um, I remember, so I, I went to Alton Towers when I was very young. Um, I would say like nine or ten. I think the only thing I rode was like the Enterprise and Spinball Wizard. <laughs> uh, and Oblivion, I think as well. And then, so I went, oh God, it must have been like April time. Um, and that, obviously that's the first time I've been in like second 10 years. And it was strange seeing a park laid out that you've heard so many people talk about and just be like, there's so much space. <laughs> mm. Why is there so much space between everything? Oh, that reminds me, you've uh, you've not told... Uh, wonderful audience about your thoughts on Wicker Man, which uh, <sighs> controversial. It is. it is. It's not. It's not shite. It is a very fun coaster, and I really enjoyed the the pre show. Was absolutely amazing. The projection yeah, mapping in there blew me away. Um, but the ride itself was like a sort of. It was like a bit flaccid. <laughs> in comparison, like the pre show hyped it up so much. But like I've ridden a GCI God, that, that I've ridden a GCI that isn't Wickerman and is a hundred times better. So, which was Ghost Rider? Was that very fun? Uh. I think the thing I love most about it is the pre-show because that puts it into theme park territory, whereas yeah. Ghost Rider is just an, an amusement park, Woody. Um, it's a fun family coaster, and when I came yeah. off, I said. Like, in terms of it being a family coaster, it's very, very, like, at the high end of the, the line between family coaster and, like, massive thrill coaster. But it is just a family coaster. Whereas... Yeah, that's fine. I think um, it, it's about the story and it's about the build-up. And, yes, it would be nice if it had more of the planned stuff that went into it to make it more themed, to carry on with the pre-show. Um, yeah, I think that's what disappointed me. The ride itself was really fun, a really good coaster. I came off and I really enjoyed it, but I felt like all of that theming was there, but it just was there. That was it. Mm. And it's well, beautiful. It's a beautiful coaster, but it, it yeah. felt like it was just there. It's a coaster that could only be in towers, and it's, that's, it's what that park seems to do best, which is just horror theming. And yeah, I... I enjoy the ride. I've only done it a couple of times. I did it about 15 times on opening night, once on my own in the dark, which was amazing to have the whole train to myself. 
and then yeah. the first day of the season this year and that's it it's I'm so excited hard. to I'm excited to try and get on it at Scarefest when it's in the dark because I think I think you should always oh, experience a ride in the dark and in the light because I think they're two they're two totally different experiences and they can totally change your opinion about a coaster. It adds a whole new level to it, and especially yeah. if it's warmed up during the day, it's racing along. Yeah. So yes, that's what I do. I mean, to go back to a question from about three weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> we do often go off on tangents. That's all right. Mm. I just I just want to throw in there um, talking about Wickerman, uh, Nick. Have you still got a Woody for Wickerman? Is it safe to say? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I do like the ride very much, and I think, yeah, um, it's, it's the ride I think of now when I think of towers, and it's yeah. the ride I'm very excited to get on. Not that excited because it'd be quite painful, I think, but yeah, it, it, it's still a ride that when I think of towers, I immediately think of Wicker Man. Um, or Nicker Man, as some people like to call it, and it, it's it's a ride I very much enjoyed, but only for the theatrical pre-show. I think if it didn't have that, it was just, if it was just a standard outdoor station, no theming, I wouldn't queue forty minutes or more for it. But yeah. the, yeah. the pre-show um, just makes it brilliant, and I've seen kids cry in that pre-show and leave, and that's it's wonderful. Terrifying. Yeah, it is pretty sinister. And I felt sorry for the dad with the kid because he queued eight, we queued eighty minutes for it, and dad didn't Ugh. get to ride it. I would just put it in oh, the bin. Man. Wait in the bin <laughs> until I finish. Can you put yeah, this in the, the baggage uh, claim? Put this in the baggage claim for us. Well, they should have a, a child swap or somewhere to entertain the children. Um, a crash, a wicker man. Crash. Or they should have a skip the pre-show. <laughs> they should have a skip the pre-show um, door. Or nah, something. The pre-show separates the men from the boys, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wicker men from the wicker boys. <laughs> well, no, I did enjoy we... it, but it's it's not as good as Icon. <sighs> the thing is, I still haven't I still haven't been on Icon, so you know what? I actually think as as a coaster, I'll probably enjoy Icon more. But as it's an overall like... experience, yeah, Wicker Man. I I, I, I think... love Icon, apart from the weird inversion. To the end which just ruins it for me see the inversion is one of my favorite parts but and i've had this conversation with so many enthusiasts i am massively and like an inversion person mm. which is why it surprised me so much that the inversion I person <laughs> it surprised me so much that i didn't like the smiler um because i'm very much a if it's got if it's got an upside down i'll be on it like doesn't matter what it is but i didn't like the smile i thought it was a pile of shit <laughs> well, wait, what's a pile of shit? You cut out there for me. The Smiler. <laughs> oh, okay, right, yeah. Uh, uh, I was watching your Alton Towers vlogs, and I think you might be fucking lying to everyone, Lewis, because it's not smooth. Okay, uh, no. So, so when I rode it in that lo- that particular vlog, it was a it was probably the smoothest ride or one of the smoothest rides I've had on the Smiler. I've ridden it a couple of times since, um, and one of those rides was still pretty smooth. The other one was considerably more unsmooth, shall we say. I think it depends um, where you sit as well and, and how new the wheels does. are on the train and how yeah. what the weather's been like and what time of day you're riding it and how you know even how you're sat, whether your head is forward yeah. or your head is back. I think so many factors can come into it. Yeah, we were Absolutely. second row and it had been doing a bit of rain and so we did have some moist rail. Mm. 
There's a lot of variables there for sure. It, it can be it was just a lot a bit... smoother than people give it credit for. Mm. But I think even on its roughest day, it's not it's not like unridably rough as a lot of people say. So right, no, Grand it's definitely. I would definitely rate it again. Well, hang on, I would rate Grand National all the time. That See, depends. Grand National's another one. <laughs> It has a lot of variables. Grand National, if you sit on a wheel seat, it smashes your spine to pieces, yeah. um, as it did with me when I rode it um, a couple of weeks ago. And it was it was like the third row, so it was like the, the back seat of the front car. Does above the, the train come off the track? Uh, um, I you swear know what? it feels like it does. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I can Probably as far as the upstop wheels allow it to. I was There's probably say, I a can, bit of space there. I can go and ask my my resident Blackpool expert how good the upstop wheels are doing at the moment, <laughs> if you'd like me to. What, Amanda lives in your house? Uh, well, my... <laughs> if only. Basically. Come to Blackpool Pleasure Beach, everybody. Uh, I believe he's currently eating KFC pizza and ignoring me because he's mad that his microphone's not working the way he wanted oh, it no. to, though, so... KFC make pizza? No, he's made his own pizza and made southern fried chicken and put southern fried chicken on the pizza, Jake. <laughs> okay, life hacks. <laughs> Kentucky fried chicken on a pizza hut. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. Amazing. That's we a good of, song. We've sort of covered it a bit, but what else have we done this season? Where have we yeah, been? Black, Blackpool. <laughs> a lot of Blackpool. I think I've been about I, five I, times. I did Go Ape, which was brand new for me. At Chesington, I know it's not strictly theme parky, but it's next to a theme park. And because they just opened the one up again at Towers, haven't they? Or they're about to open it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depending on when this episode's going out. And well, hopefully th- it won't I, be too long if Jake gets his arse in gear. I thought it was really nice. I've been going to Chesington for 30, you know, since it opened. And it was so nice to do something there that I'd never, ever done before. And it's terrifying. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's... Yeah, I've I've not done go but I've done something similar at mm. uh, Centre Parks, where you you know you're on like a high ropes course yeah. and stuff like that, and you just fucking they they're just like oh yeah jump off this two hundred foot pole and shit like that, and you're like why? <laughs> and and it, it's like when you have VR on and you have to do something what would be terrifying in real life. You know you're safe, but there's still that thing in the back of your brain that says you should not be walking over planks dangling from a rope. 80 feet up in the air because it just doesn't feel natural and it's more scary than any coaster i've been on um and it goes on for blimming ages we're up there for about three hours jesus i mean at least you get your money's worth yeah the one at chesington is really really good and i I recommend you know if you haven't done it, it's only about 28 pounds i haven't Um, even done chesington so (laughs) we'll add it to the list what? Things I need to do. I've literally because I'm from well, I'm from so far up north. It's a lot easier for me to get to parks now that I've moved out to Yorkshire. But from being so far up north, the only parks that I'd been to down to Yorkshire. Sort of, yeah, <laughs> when I joined the community, the only parks I'd been to was like Blackpool, and that was like very much just before I fully joined the community. And like Flamingo Land and Lightwater, they were the only parks I'd been to. And obviously, still, but, like, still more than ones, me. I've still never been to Lightwater Valley, and I kind of want to go before they close. Yeah, it's a massive yeah. shithole. <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't put it that way. I, I want to do it for the obviously the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And there's some other ride there called uh, something about rats. Oh, um, Raptor, Raptor Attack. attack. <laughs> it's, it's it's called Raptor it, it used Attack. To be, now. Yeah. It used to be the sewer rat, didn't it? I think, or yeah, something like it that. It used to be like 
a, a it used to be themed to rats in the zoo, but now it's themed to dinosaurs. Right. Okay. Uh, less interested now, but no. I mean, it it just sounds like a park that. Are you a rat if I were in that neck of the woods, I could go to for a morning and get the two rides I want to do, and probably, you know, be happy with that. Um, yeah, go mingle afterwards and do some actual real fun rides. But we're getting a new Gulliver's, aren't we? Are we? Are we? Are they building a new Gulliver's Land somewhere? I went to the one. Oh God, somewhere in the Midlands. But you needed a kid. When I was a kid. Oh. <laughs> ah. How do you know I don't have any children? You should assume my children. <laughs> no, I went when I was a kid. I don't. I went when I was a kid, and I just remember being absolutely terrified of all of the like giant statues of Gulliver, <laughs> and being like, "What the fuck?" He's a I big lad. I don't want to go on any of these fucking wacky worms because there's spooky boys here. <laughs> wacky you know. worms. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I called in it? Wacky worms. If you like. If I'm if you're Geordie, which I am, mm. you fucking awful man. Yeah, they're building one in Milton Keynes. That's a strange oh, okay. place for a theme park. Thirty-seven million pounds with seventy rides and attractions. Sorry, I'm wrong. It's coming to Yorkshire. Um, oh, Gulliver's Valley Resort opening in 2020. Where's that going? Uh, Matlock Bar. Uh, um, there is one there, I think, isn't there? I was going to yeah. say there's already one in Matlock, isn't there? I think that's the one um, I've been to. This is a dreadful article. It doesn't say where it's going. Uh, we'll find out when it happens. Uh, <laughs> it just pops up. I hope it's not in Newcastle. Can you imagine? They've, where just is bulldo- it, they've bulldozed my village to make a Gulliver's Kingdom. It's good to know that Gullivers are doing well and that they're investing in a whole new park. That's really positive. Yeah, speaking I guess. Of, speaking of people doing well in investments, uh, shall we have a discussion about Merlin selling? Ooh. Ooh. Mm, hot topic. It's interesting. Is it, it is interesting. I, I, th- I, think, I think a lot of the geeks are overthinking this because I don't think much is going to change because, remember, Lego owned 30% of them anyway. Yeah, mm. but on, in, in contradiction to that, even it's not much, but even just since that family have taken over. But they haven't taken over yet. It, it, it hasn't... Um... The it sale went through, through last week, right? No, it won't. It won't. The sale was approved last week, but it won't go through until the end of the year. Oh. Well, there we go. Interesting. Because since that's been announced, I've noticed things like towers extending ride opening times by 15 minutes. That was amazing. But that's something that I've not seen them do for a long time, if at all. Why 15 minutes? What? I, I think they wanted to take the piss personally. I, they must have been. I don't know. It was. I think um, they must have, they must have to gotten their scream. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's as long as it takes. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, that entire thing is interesting. Um, it's. I just can't believe that Alton Towers are giving people prizes for stealing Jake's brand. Of... <laughs> but more importantly, right. It's overshadowed Blackpool's weird thing campaign, which I noticed the other day on Facebook. Oh, oh, the Icona likes. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you have a doppelganger. What? What is the competition? Have you? Oh, so the competition is: uh, if you think that you look like someone, comment on the post saying like hashtag Icona like, and the winners get like a platinum season pass or whatever the Blackpool equivalent of that is. They get now, a season I, pass. Now, I, I... <laughs> 
I have an issue with the season pass because I got one on the first day of the season and my friend was looking to gain one a couple of weeks ago, but it only stupid of me to it only lasts until the end of the season. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. last for a year, like the Merlin passes do. So if I want to go abroad in December using my the, the wonderful perk of the Blackpool passes, you get access to about seven European parks. Yeah. My understanding yeah. is I won't be able to get into them. Hmm. I mean, I would double, che- I would I double wonder... check it, yeah, because I know that the European, it, it wouldn't really be fair, I don't think, would it? Because European no. parks are open mostly all of the time. They don't really shut, do they? Not as much as ours do, anyway. No. Um, But yeah, you can get into, what is it? Liseberg, Port Ventura. Efteling, uh, maybe? Efteling, uh, yeah, Europa. Isle de Magica or something odd like that. Um, Not heard of that one. <laughs> in Spain, I think. But but that's a really good deal for the Blackpool Pass, I think. It's it's a bit expensive now. I think it's £180 now, but I got it for about 60 quid on opening day. Oh, well. Don't talk to, don't talk to Lewis about paying the prices for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it is what it is. Um, there was an offer on, I think it was last October, where they, I think they were like £99 each, hmm. um, which, you know, it's a lot better than 180 quid. But if you put it against the Alton Towers season passes, which are like £56 for the standard one and I think 70 for the premium one, which doesn't have any exclusion dates and you get free entry to the dungeons every time you go if you want it, um, it seems it still seems pretty steep. But again, it is what it is. It's still good value for unlimited access to the Pleasure Beach if you're going to go a few times. But eh, I do feel like Pleasure Beach could probably do to... Um, Reevaluate their pricing structure a little bit, especially considering there's a lot of people moaning about how the park always seems to be dead at the moment. So, well, they should do one without the European park access and lower the price of that because that obviously you'll yeah. get more value. I think they should than... keep the the higher priced one with the European park access, but give that one free parking. That's not a bad call. I don't parking know. I, I just think Blackpool. they need to lower the prices. Parking at oh, yes, like literally costs the same amount as it does to buy a wristband to go in. Yeah. Really? It's like 20 pounds in the main main car park. Yeah, I think it's 20, yeah. 20 quid in the main car park. And I've, I've just paid for my wristband for late night riding, uh, which is next Saturday. And that, that cost me 23 pounds. Yeah. Jeez. It is extortionate. Man. I don't know. I, I just think they need to take a leaf out of uh, Alton Towers' book, really. Because, again, I... I Alton Towers can't be making a profit on season passes that cost 55 to 70 pounds each if people are making multiple visits. But I presume they're working on the model of get people in the parks. They're going to spend money on food, merchandise. Exactly. You know. They make more um, money off the pass. I call them pass holes. They make more money off. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fucking class name for them. I know. Uh, We just call them all dickheads. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Um, they they might they make more money off the pass holders than they do from the the people that will go once, um, because we're the fans. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll spend money on the merch. We'll spend money on yeah. the food because we'll stay in the park on ride day. photos. Yeah, we're the people that, that you stuff. make money off, and which is a shame, really, because we're all massive, massive dickheads. <laughs> Some are. Um... <laughs> Excuse yeah, you, obviously, so, Nick. You're a lovely man. We're all you. absolute arseholes, though. Parseholes. So, so, so I think, um, <laughs> I, I think that's you know obviously that it is a business, and some enthusiasts think the parts are there to serve them, which they're not. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about the the Lego owning Merlin is that it will no longer be a 
public company. So there will be less pressure for parts and attractions and everything to get a return on, return of investment for the shareholders. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one thing that I think will happen. We're not going to see overnight massive changes, I don't think, because the parks work well for them. Um, but who knows? I mean, we might have Lego Dungeon. We have Lego, you know, it, it, they might turn, they might get rid of Shrek's Adventure in London and turn it into a Lego Discovery Center. Changes I like mean, that are you good. Have Lego Dungeon. Well, there you go. Um, but th- I-, I could see something like that happening. What if CBB's land at Alton Towers turned into a mini Lego land? Mm, that's interesting. It'd still make money. It'd, it'd, yeah. it'd still get people in there. The families would love it. Exactly. Mm. Um, Lego's massive now as well, isn't it? With all the Lego it, movies that have come out. And it would cost them less to do that because they wouldn't have to pay for the CBBC license anymore. That's a good call. It's things like that that I can see happening more than just, yeah. oh, let's open the parts till midnight and let's do this and let's do that because... I mean, midnight is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> well, people, people look at the opening hours of the parts and say, oh, they're so dreadful. All parks in the world, apart from Efteling, are there to make money. If they could make money, they would open the parts longer. That's it. But they don't. So they don't. And it is a shame that Towers has worse opening hours than Oakwood, if you think about it. (laughs) Um, But that's how it is. And is there a sort of British psychological factor? Oh, it's five o'clock. It's home time now. I don't want to be here anymore that goes on. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, no, I suppose there is. It is the enthusiasts that complain about the park Mm. not opening late. It's not the general public that care, really, or maybe a small amount of them. Because if you've got your four-year-old who wants to go to see BB's land, they don't want to be there till nine o'clock at night. No, of course not. I think where the parks are going slightly wrong, and this is all parks in this country, is they don't offer food and beverages before and after the park has opened. uh, Opened and, and closed. I have never thought about that before, but no, I agree. So I was queuing at a park recently, and... We were queuing outside for about half an hour, waiting for it to open, and I was very thirsty. I'd happily bought a cup of tea, a pastry or something, but we had to um, wait to get into the park in order to do that. And I thought they could have so much business if they just had some food carts around. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they don't because it wouldn't make them money. Yeah, I thought I, th- I thought this when I was because obviously all, my my visit to Alton Towers was the first one I've had in quite a while, and the queue lines were very Disney to me, like with the fact that they've just got like random vending machines just there mm. occasionally. Yeah. But every single one that I came across was broken. I'm not <laughs> so I was in the queue for thirteen, and it was um it was meant to be like half an hour, but because the queue was half an hour there was like a surge to go in. So it was more like 40, 50 minutes. And by the time we got round the, like the switchbacks to the vendor machine, which is just before you go into the spooky Tesla coil room. Didn't that used to be like an actual outlet with, that was manned? Or am I going mad? Uh, yeah, I think so. Cause it's, it's got like a shutter and stuff, but now it's yeah. got just broken vendor machines. But I was like, Oh God, I'm so thirsty. And saw this vending machine and was like, oh, yes, like I'm absolutely ready for a bottle of Lucas Aid or whatever I can get. 
you wonder if the vending machines and shops might slow down throughput. Um, because yeah. if you know, it's a whole thing of rubbernecking on a on a road, and there's been an accident. If one person, yeah. if one person looks, there will be a tailback of people. So mm. if you have a queue with a vending machine or a shop, it will add half an hour onto that queue line if it's really hot. So maybe they'd rather have people get onto the ride quicker, so you have happier guests, so they can get out of the queue quicker and then go to shops and restaurants and buy food and drink there. I don't know. Um, it's a very good point. It, it, yes, it would be nice if they had more open food units at the park. But if it's not making money, they won't do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I've seen that exact thing happen in the uh, shop that was in the Smiler queue line. People would stop, and everyone else was stuck behind them with a massive. Where gap. did they used to have a shop in the Smiler queue line? It was like right in the middle. It was like a big rectangle. I don't really know how to describe it. People, people know where I mean. Poor staff member. Yeah. That, I mean, the Smiler queue line. I know that it's meant to make you feel like you're in prison or you're in like yeah. just a fucking mental asylum. But I honest, I honest to God, I was in there for about ninety minutes. Oh man. And when, by the time we'd gotten into, like, the actual, like, building, I was like, I'm actually losing insane? my mind. I'm actually losing my mind <laughs> looking at all these fences and this how, how many people are in front of me. Like, I actually am going insane. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, there you go. It was awful. It's awful. part of the theme. But yeah, no. In general, I wasn't a massive fan of the Smiler. Mm, shame. <laughs> All right. Anywhere else we've been this year? Anywhere else we've been? I've only Anywhere? been to Alton Towers and Pleasure Beach this this season. As yeah, same. <laughs> oh, actually, oh, oh, there was the cheeky visit to Fantasyland in January, but I don't need to go on about that again. Yeah, you've done, we've I don't, I don't that. need to. <laughs> I don't need to resume that gush fest. Jeez. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going on trips between now and the end of the year. If that's part of this question, or was that a future? Yeah, question? yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm going to Leesburg for the first time at the end of August, which I'm looking I'm forward very to. Nice. Jealous. We're planning on going there. to Leesburg at some point this year. The park have been wonderful, um, and going to there, and then Southern California for ten days in October. Um, hopefully, going to get on. Hopefully, Rise of the Resistance or Rise of the Demons Resistance, as I call it, will be <laughs> open for that. And Knott's Berry Farm, they're being very generous as well. Um, Universal Halloween Horror Nights, Dark Harbor. Magic, Sir, uh, Magic Castle, sorry, Club 33, um, Disneyland, you know, the new Jurassic Park ride. Very much looking forward to that trip. So um, look out for the vlogs with Nicole and me and other prats that I know all starting <laughs> around I'm California. Very, is, very is, Dark, is Dark Harbour the one that's on a boat, or am I just completely wrong? Yes, it's on the Queen yeah. Mary. The Queen yeah. Mary, yeah. Uh, did it a couple of years ago. It, it, it's like towers and the fact that it's all about the location so if you took the mazes that are in the towers and put them somewhere else they probably wouldn't be as scary evocative or atmospheric they'd still be scary because it's all about the actors but they wouldn't be as you know in the towers you are walking into the towers Mm. but you're walking into the bowels of a cruise ship so from the 1930s so it's all about the kind of the bigger picture with that and, and it was very very creepy and they make use of the in the bowels of the ship. You go through engine rooms, and they're all 
turning and there's smoke and in some rooms there's water freight water coming out the windows and into the ship and they have flood scenes so it, you know you know what the americans are like they'll just go That's okay. spooky yeah that would spook yeah. me <laughs> sounds amazing um but yeah they're, they're my two trips planned um i'm so. very very jealous nice. of the southern california trip that's the one thing i need to do again is get back to cali it's probably the best two weeks yeah, of my life that i had people, over there. people go mental over disney world in orlando and it's, and it's great but it once you've been to California, it's miles, miles better than Orlando. Sorry. I um, disagree, but only because Disneyland Resort and hmm. California Adventure were very much nostalgic for me. It was like, God, this is amazing. This is the only park that Walt was in. You know, it was the park that but Walt they also have better from the ground up. They have... Yeah, they do have the better rides, but Walt Disney World for me is had alcohol. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I've never been. I've never been able to drink in Walt when I've been uh, Disney Land Resort is the only place I've ever been drunk in Disney, apart from Disneyland Paris. Um, but Walt Disney World is more of a, and I hate word because of its connotations in the community, but it is a more immersive experience, I think, because you do go, if you, if you stay in a Disney hotel, that's it, you're in the Disney bubble, you go to Disney parks, yeah. everything's Disney, and it's more immersive for me because of that, whereas at Disneyland, it's like in the middle of Anaheim, in the middle of a city, yeah. but I do enjoy California in general for more, for the parks. Mm. I think Orlando's great, and I love Universal, and I love Walt Disney World, and Busch Gardens is great, etc. But California parks have just more about them. Like Universal Studios Hollywood is miles, miles above Universal Studios Orlando, miles away from it. Like in the quality of rides, the quality of staff, and, and I loved Universal Studios Hollywood, and I love Universal Studios Orlando, but I loved Hollywood way um, more. For me, the difference is Disneyland has Indiana Jones. Very good ride. And Radiator Springs Racers. And it has the newer, unique version of Tower of Terror, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, which I'm less interested in, um, but it's there. It has the better Haunted Mansion. It has the better Pirates of the Caribbean. It has the better Space Mountain. It has the better atmosphere. It has less crowds. And it will most likely have the greatest art ride in the world open by the time I go oh, there. Fair, yeah, I yeah, it, I think they're very different. I think people who are used to Walt Disney World, like I was when I went to Disneyland, it was like a shock to the system mm. because in Disneyland there's there's barely any crowds, you barely queue for anything. The characters are just wandering around. Yeah, it's like Paris. Yeah, but but with fewer French. Yeah, which is the best part about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when when you're so used to the control and the organisation of Walt Disney World, it's quite a shock to the system. And I prefer Walt Disney World because I like to be organised. I don't. It's it's 2019. I don't want to have to fast passes anymore. Didn't you feel <laughs> if you look at Paris and California, isn't it nice just to literally park hop? I mean, you can park hop at Disney World. But it takes about 45 minutes. And it, it, it's, never, it's never been a massive problem for me. Mm. Um, 
I'm very much, I'm the kind of person that goes to Disney with a spreadsheet. I'm that dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go to Disneyland Paris, it's not very often that I park on. Unless I look on the app and see that Tower of Terror has like a five minute queue. Yeah. I'm very much a, okay, I'll go to Disneyland on this day and then I'll go to the studios on this day. And it was the same when I was um, when I was in California. It was very much, okay, I'll go to Disneyland Park on this day and I'll go to California Adventure on this day. And if I, you know, did everything I wanted to do in Disneyland Park, I could go to California Adventure. But I did the same at Walt Disney World. If I've, you know, organized to go to Magic Kingdom for a day and then I finish everything early, I get the monorail at Epcot. Mm. And the experience of the travel is something that I enjoy as well. I love the monorail at Disney World. I love the buses, which have recently had an overhaul. And, and I think the, uh, the, the sky ride system. Yeah, from, yeah. Where does that run from? Hollywood Studios to Art of Animation, I believe. I don't know. Um, um, which is sick. Sick, um, man. And depending on what hotel you stay in, <laughs> it does depend on how long it takes on the buses as well, which is something that I did a lot of research into. Because I don't want to be, you know, when you've been at Disney World since 8 o'clock in the morning and it's 11 o'clock at night, the last thing you want to do is be waiting two hours for the bus. Yeah. So when you go to resorts that are like the moderate resorts, they all have, they're all on the same bus system. So it doesn't matter what bus you get on, really, it will eventually go to that resort. Whereas Pop Century and Art of Animation, they've got their own bus system. So it doesn't stop at other resorts on the way. My trip to Orlando last year was very unplanned. I mean, it was sort of planned, but the timings weren't because we were staying at a friend's house, the legend, shout out to legend. Um, and we just got Ubers to the park, so we didn't have to pay for parking. We yeah. could have a couple of drinks. Um, and we did because Nicole was there. And <laughs> I love that. Because Nicole was there, I yeah. was obviously involved. She made me do it. Um, we um, it it was nice to be more relaxed about it Um, we knew lots of people in the park so we didn't pay for tickets so that was good so we didn't have things booked for specific days Um, not that you really do that with Disney World I don't think you just decide which park to go to when but I just think California is so much more relaxing and you can do it in two days or three days yeah, um, so I, I did Disneyland Resort in five days. Yeah. And we're, Whereas we're, Walt Disney World, at... if you don't do two weeks, you miss something. Well, they, they say that you could live in Disney World and do an activity. If you want to do every single activity from arts and crafts to safaris to every riding, riding every ride, going to every restaurant, going to every shop, you'd be there for over a year. Yeah, it's... Damn. It's, it's very much it. You get well, a taste every time, and there's always something more to come back for yeah. at Walt Disney World. Whereas, and it's D23 soon. They're going to announce more things. Yeah, God. Oh, so much for Epcot, apparently. IPCOT, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great, to be fair, because whilst I absolutely I love Epcot because of I love the World Showcase, I think it's beautiful. I think it's nice that they're adding more actual attractions to it because yeah. i think a lot of people overlook it for the reason that it doesn't have that many attractions it is more of a and an I, experience I, i'm gonna hold off disney world for a couple of years because of tron because of um uh what else they're doing the guardians the guardians of the galaxy the guardians in ride Epcot, yeah. um 
not that I'm a massive fan of that, but I'm interested in the sheer scale of it. If you've ever done Ellen's Energy Adventure, the 45-minute yes. ride, that ride building, which they're using, is just for the pre-shows. Yeah, they've also built another building behind Blimey. it. Blimey. Yeah. Jeez. Because, you know, Disney. And, yeah, they've you've just got to be ridiculous, haven't they? And I'm, I'm sad about it because I did absolutely love Ellen's Energy Adventure. Um, yeah, it's a good nap. Um, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of aircon. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm going to wait for that, but also I think there's once Star Wars Land is open properly, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do Orlando. I think it'd be um, possibly more, not as it'd be more difficult than California. Mm. But then you've got Mickey's Mini and Mickey's Magic Runaway, runaway Railway, whatever they had it <laughs> called. Um, and then whatever new stuff they announce soon. So it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, I'm definitely at the moment, which is a massive thing to say for a Disney fan, uh, I'm, we're planning on going to Orlando next year if we can. And it's 100% more for Universal. Mm. And that sort of stuff we want to do, like, because it's Halloween Horror Nights 30 next year, the 30th anniversary in Orlando. It's going to be a big one, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do something massive for it. And obviously we'll get on Hagrid's Magical Beard Express of Hell, whatever the <laughs> fuck it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Which looks really good, to be fair. And also the oh, Secret yeah. Life of Pets ride they're doing. Um, <laughs> Which I'm so uh, excited about, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't even know that was a thing. Is a, yeah, it's replacing Terminator 2 3D, I think. Oh, damn. Um, there's always something new in Orlando. It's, it, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, there I'm, we go. I'm very excited about everything that's happening in America and absolutely nothing that's happening in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think it's time to move on. Um, but just before we do, I'd like to thank Walt Disney World for sponsoring this episode. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, if only. <laughs> yeah, then I wouldn't have to be forking out my entire life savings just to go and kiss Mickey Mouse on his damn nose. <laughs> it's a real struggle, isn't it? <laughs> First <Right>. world problems. <laughs> Jake's quiz of the week. It's time, everyone, for my fabled quiz of the week. Slash. I'm yes, and this isn't the quiz that I wrote for the last episode, didn't you? So don't even think about that. Um, so it absolutely is because Owen did because you know Owen did the last one. Um, yeah, and it was I the best quiz it. we've ever done. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's flaws. <laughs> <laughs> no, Owen, it was great. We love it. <laughs> okay, so I guess how do you want to play it? You guys can play against each other, well, like we usually do here. Yeah, yeah the usual format, I guess. Fair enough. Don't want to mix it up this week. Got to get that competition. Right, okay. Fingers on buzzers. I don't have a buzzer. Wait, we, don't, we, we don't have a buzzer system. What? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, we're doing the quiz of the week. Um, oh. <laughs> do you need us to have it's... buzzer noises? Because I can just scream. No. Don't, no don't scream. We, we, we never the usually use a buzzer system. We, we just give our answers and then the people who get it right get points, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why? Why mess with a with a with? Lewis if is it so ain't broke, Don't fix it. <laughs> Lewis is so stressed that I'm going to start screaming. <laughs> right. So, first question: How many scenes are there in the Alton Towers dungeon? Oh, seven. Seven. crap! Ah, uh, Nick seven. was straight in there with seven. Damn. Yeah. Well, 
considering who Nick is as a person. Yeah, he would I'm, know. I'm going right? to I'm gonna have to say six. Uh, well, that's interesting because I've got six written down. I'll say I, eight just to be difficult. I've got six, but I could also see how it could be seven because I haven't um, considered the uh, sort of waiting batching area. Which so they do the... consider a show. Yeah, so in that, in that case... There's an actor seven. there, isn't there? Yeah. Fair enough. Seven it is. Well done, Nick. Point Thank for you. Nick. It's, <laughs> it's definitely six, and I was definitely beat, right. Beat the quiz master. Um, next question. How many inversions on coasters are there at Thorpe Park Resort? Thorpe Park? Oh, God. Shit. And uh, I hope I haven't counted this wrong. <laughs> at least this isn't going to be like the Blackpool question where we had a 20-minute argument whether Rev comes to fucking inversions. Which it does. Is it 50? No, it doesn't. Um, Hang on. I've got higher than that. 10. Well, there's 10. I know there's definitely 10. Oh, shit, of course there's 10, and then there's more <laughs> than 10. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's at you least 10. have a base 10. answer, 10. I'll go 20. Uh, and then there's... On the swarm. Um, I have to go through every coaster on RCDB and count them up myself. Hope I think that's what right. Jess is doing currently. Uh, I'm not. I'll let her um, think about it. This, right, so it's ten on Colossus. Jess is the inversion person, so so she should know. <laughs> She's got the inversion perversion. Yeah. There's one, two, three, three questionable on the swarm. Saw's got three. I know that. Uh, Nemi Inferno. So I'm saying 10 and 13. <laughs> Do you want a calculator? 16. Mm, you only think there's three on now. the swarm, really? Uh, I'm going to say 21. Well, Jess, you were the closest. It's 22. Okay, ah. fair. Yeah, because I completely forgot about Saw. <laughs> I completely forgot about Colossus at first until, someone, until Jess said there was definitely 10. <laughs> I totally forgot about the ten loop coaster. Yeah, I did. The I literally ever did. Ten looping. I'm like, coaster. I'm like nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give uh, I'll give Jess half a point for being closest though. Hey, in the sake of which, uh, competition. Which inversion did I miss? I've no idea. You sounded like you I've were just, questioning. I've just got twenty two written down. You sounded like you were questioning it when I said swarm at three. Well, that's because RCDB says the swarm has five. Five? It definitely has three. And well, two more. The, the viewers will it, definitely, it definitely tell. The, three, the viewers will. Yes, yeah, there might be two more. <laughs> the will definitely tell me that I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, and that you're right. So we'll see. Okay, next question. What is the name of the B and M dive coaster that opened at Canada's Wonderland this season? Val, um, yes. Is it oh. Valkyrie? Or no, Val that's Kieran it. Or that's Lisa Big. Oh. oh. Um. Ooh, oh, ooh, shit, ooh, I got it. it. When I wrote this question, Yukon Striker, boom. Yep, That's what it's called. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hey. Very good. Right. So it's one to Lewis, half to Jess, one to Nick. Okay. Jess is losing for once. You're usually quite good at that. Um, yeah, it's it's because I haven't got Matt behind me. The answer. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> He's downstairs. <laughs> okay, next question. This is quite This is quite relevant, so you might know this one. Poulton's Park will open a brand new Max spinning coaster next year as part of Tornado String. Strings? Springs. Tornado String. <laughs> God. As soon as the I start reading it. Anything... Oh no. <laughs> From the concept art, which American coaster does it appear to have the same layout as? 
Oh god, I, I don't know. Who cares? Um, this is a tricky one. No, I have no idea. I didn't know it had the same layout as another ride, or appeared to have the same the layout as another ride. Can we can we look at it? Uh, I mean the the, the image is about. No, like if, I'm I'm saying, is it cheating if we look at the image? You don't uh, mean something dumb like that. The thing that's that is still standing from American Adventure. No, no, no. It's it's an American coaster in America. Okay, not from American Adventure. It's it's a spinner coaster, right? Yeah. Right. I will. I will I'm going to be out out audacious and say I don't know flying turns just to put an answer in the bucket. It looks like <laughs> the Sierra Sidewinder at Northbury Farm. That's what it looks like. I have no Any idea. Answer, Lewis? No. No, um, no I'll, I'll, I'll just go with time traveler, even though I know that's not the right, the right if one. It's, if it's a Max Spinner, that's it's the only Max Spinner I can think of in America. So yeah, well, apart from the fact that you just mentioned anyone there is. <laughs> no, there's not. Um, Sierra Sidewinder is a Max Spinner, isn't it? Oh, okay. Well, um, I can say that Jess is completely right. It oh. is Sierra Sidewinder. Oh. It's got the same Yay! layout. Is it? Yeah. Well, from the concept art. I've ridden Sierra Sidewinder, but I don't remember not, like finding out whether it was a Max Spinner or not. It is. Oh, amazing. Pop worldwide <laughs> said, so, you know, it's got to be true. Um, it has to be. <laughs> okay, final question. So Jess is now in the lead. Somehow. She's clawed by jaws of defeat. <laughs> so it's all to play for. The, the person who gets this one right wins, wins the whole thing. Do you know what you win, Nick? Absolutely nothing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Bragging rights. Yeah, you can put it on your CV or, you know, your LinkedIn. How far does your food drop before reaching the table in roller coaster restaurant? What? <laughs> yep. Fifteen Random guess. I have no idea. Can you say in meters? In no. meters? <laughs> no, I can't. Because my answer's in meters. One point nope. eight meters. What? Uh Two and a half meters. Nick is like, what are they even talking about? Thirty-five feet. <laughs> Can you do that in meters? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll convert it. Hey Siri. It's ten meters. Ten, ten and a half meters, thirty-five feet. Okay, so were those your answers? Are you locking them in? Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm gonna say one point eight. Fuck no. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with the closest answer, and. That means Nick is right, or the closest to being right. It's eight meters. Piss off! It's eight meters. Who are? It goes through a loop or something, and then does eight meters. That's it. The... Goes through a loop. Yeah, food loop. I it's don't want... fucking food loop for goodness' sake, Jess. I, right. <laughs> coaster, wait, I can't afford coaster, to basically. eat a roller coaster restaurant because I like being able to afford to you live. Can afford, you can afford to go in it and have a look. <laughs> just, I was uh, too busy. I was too busy smashing Nemi. To bother with the roller coaster restaurant last time. Right. I well, Nick, you're the winner. Congratulations. Uh, the, the plaque is on the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I promise, Nick, that next time I go to Alton Town, look at the loop for. Okay. Wow. Moving swiftly on, it's time for the listeners' questions, which are basically all aimed at Nick this week. Yeah, nobody cares um, about us this week. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like no one cares about our opinions on things. <laughs> Uh, a lot of them are uh, probably quite quick to answer, I imagine. But <laughs> okay, our first question is from William Tedstone, fan of the fan of the uh, podcast, fan of Lewis, um, fan of the not, channel. Not a fan of Jess, I've heard, but we'll leave that there. Um, I'm sure he thinks Jess is fine. 
<laughs> I was joking, don't worry. Um, <laughs> his question is, what took Nick so long to get on the podcast? Also, is he a theme park fan? Yeah, that's my question as well. Uh, the reason it took you so long to get on the podcast is because Jake was finishing his degree. Uh-huh. And now he's finished. We I are going to make excuse for everything. We are going to make a proper effort to actually it, be. It was at the time. Aren't we, Jake? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> he sounds very convinced. Do you, want to, do you want to answer that question, Nick? What? What? Took so long to get on the podcast? Well, apparently Jake was finishing his degree. So there <laughs> so we go. You've heard it what, from the man himself. What was the other half? Are oh, you a theme park fan? <sighs> um. <laughs> How many times have you heard that question? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Turns off mic, leaves immediately. Yes. So in case I, you're I, wondering, he still is. I'm still a theme park fan. I, yeah, I, and I want to talk about this damn song for a second because it's, I don't regret it, but it's kind of become <laughs> oh, my God. calling card. It's, it even makes a very, very subtle cameo in a recent video, which I think we'll talk about in a bit. And mm. I'm glad everyone likes it. it. It shouldn't be taken seriously. It's, it just... It, no, it's great. We should talk yeah. about the parody side of this industry because what we like is ridiculous. It's, it is so ridiculous what we like. And it, you know, we talked about the serious business side of it, but we essentially like standing around strapping ourselves in a machine and being chucked around for 50 seconds. Yes. <laughs> I really enjoy it when you put it that way. <laughs> and if there's a story attached, that's even better. And then it's we like box. to argue about it when we get home. Yes. That's, that's um, and if that's I can do a song about that that people like, that's great. It's even better. Honestly, I know that at this point you must be sick of it because it's your song and it, it, and it is the thing that people associate with you. But honestly... It is the thing that just automatically, like anyone, anytime anyone says the word theme park, in my like in the group of people that I go to a theme park with occasionally, like someone without a doubt will sing that song. It's weird. I mean, I've it's had like the actors... national anthem. It is. <laughs> I, I've I've had actors sing it to me in scare mazes, <laughs> <laughs> which is the ultimate um, accolade, I guess. See, about, tw- about 20 minutes after I released it, Sean Sandbrook and Alex Crump rung me up and sung it to me over the phone. Wow. And, <laughs> wow. You know, it, I'm glad that people get it. I'm glad no one was offended by it. I'm glad, you know, people get the joke. I hope everyone gets a joke because, it, yeah. you know, it, it is. But it's kind of, it is truthful as well. I wrote it the morning before I went to the Icon. No, was it the Towers press? It, it was the Towers press event. I did the lyrics, and then the music came a lot later because I didn't know what kind of music to do. Um, it, it wasn't going to be rap originally. Not that I can dare say it even is rap now. <laughs> um, I think it might be better than Little Dicky. Who? <laughs> uh, I don't know who that is either, Nick. Don't worry. Please, I do, but please. To his new song about the earth, it's shit. And you are Oh, I better. put that in the Bouncilla soundtrack. Did you really? <laughs> we love the earth. It is our plant. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Um, I'm not even lying. I can't imagine anything more than doing that like bouncy course and listening to that song. 
genuinely. Well, it's in there, and I put it in counterpoint with um, Friday Night from Thousand Years Ago. The Katy Perry song. No, no, that was nine one one. Exactly. Oh, you've lost me. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis, help. Uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank here too. They were way back in the nineties. I am old, but I'm not, I wasn't a follower of boy bands in the 90s, so, you know. Oh, well, sorry, we got a waste of space on Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for referencing Theme Park fan. Again. But stop saying it to him. Um, because he's so worth a lot more than just that one. I'll, I suppose I'll get this next one out of the way, then. Um, <laughs> do you still have a Woody for Wicker, man? I've already <laughs> asked him this. Yeah, I think we covered this. Still, yeah. I've got a semi yeah, for Wicker, man, you know. It's a, it's a semi, yeah. <laughs> better than nothing. Just a little that's bit a of flaccid. It, it's better than Wicker-related erectile dysfunction, that's for sure. Just fucking hell. What? Okay. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, do you prefer inversions in a coaster sense or a music sense? No, I have Shout to out to Amy Lloyd. Because yeah. I didn't get it. She's I'm a fellow music nerd. Um, so yeah, she is. How can I describe this in five minutes or fewer? You have... Um, if you have a chord, C major, for example, C, E, and G, you play the chord, and then in the left hand, you can either have C or E or G in the bass. If you have C, it's called a root position. If you have an E, it's called a first inversion because it's kind of moved, it's kind of turned sort of upside down. Then you have, then you have a G, it's a second inversion. So that's what that means. Um, I like to use inversions in music because it builds a piece of music harmonically. I like inversions in coasters because it builds a coaster thrillingly. <laughs> so I think they're as important as each other. And it's a fabulous question. Well, there we go. Way, Amy, thank you. Okay. So uh, we'll cover this. Um, did you watch the latest Facebook video? Yes, you did. Where you were crushed to death by a car. You did watch it, didn't you? Yes. Many what were your thoughts on it? Um, <laughs> again, going back... This is your public parody. statement, I guess. Again, going, well, no, I, I, I wasn't parodied in this at all. You know, I was just killed. Which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we all aim to be at that level of I know. importance in the industry where we just get killed in. Whoever makes these videos, and I think I know who it is, they're incredibly creative. They are incredibly laboured upon. There's a lot of care and attention to detail that goes into them. Um, you, you wouldn't do those videos if you didn't like, at least, like the people that you were parodying. Um, and... Oh, it was... Sorry. <laughs> Just hanging yourself. Um, oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, That's next episode. <laughs> it, it, it's very, very inventive. Um, yeah, some people wouldn't react to it the same way as I do. Um, it didn't say anything bad about me, so I guess that's all right. I just appreciate the creativity that goes into it because as a creative person myself, we sit at the computer and we think, oh my god, what can I do? Um, and 
you know, it, it, it was very, very clever. The parody of Jordan and Ryan and other people in it, Backseat Blackout, Cozabot, Coaster Click. Um, even Don Shelley was parodied with the way that the guy wears the hat. Yeah. It's very, very <laughs> oh, God. And- I, I obviously it didn't parody me, so I'm I wouldn't take away from anyone if they if they don't take it the right way. Obviously it can be very difficult to sort of put yourself in the public eye and it's it's not criticism, but in a way you can take it the wrong way. Mm. And I hope anyone I hope anyone who's seen it hasn't because it genuinely is I think it speaks volumes that the people that are being parodied have made such a mark with such personal things that they they've they've got their own personal brands that can be parodied. Yeah. And it's I think it's it's a you know, it's a massive compliment that someone's picked up that you have that personal brand and you have that influence that personal brand. It's like a politician will always watch Have I Got News For You over the news because they're more interested as to what... Parody really opens up the underbelly of things, not in a bad way, but it shows what people love about people Mm. and what people enjoy and in some cases find annoying or it really works for people to think, how can I improve myself? It's why it's always better to get criticised about something you've done if you want an opinion rather than praised. Yeah. Because there's no point praising someone because they can't learn from that. Um, I'm not saying Facebook is um, criticising us, um, but I think some of the videos are a bit too harsh, and I'm glad that he's turning down from that and being more creative. I mean, the, the car chase scene was just wonderful. Um, <laughs> it was. Oh, my God. It was pretty when, spectacular. When, when the... Park Pixie character, which is clearly meant to be George. Yeah. When the Park Pixie character was like leaning out of the car and chain, like turning the steering wheel with the selfie stick while she was shooting, I was like, this video actually had me in tears because it was so. Mm. Funny. But it, it's not just funny; it's good. Yeah, that, it's, that... I've well, yeah, never it, ever yeah. put that much effort into anything, and I've yeah. got a degree, so. <laughs> <laughs> That speaks volumes, really. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I didn't come off as badly as some other people could do. But he's done one about me. It's sadly the first thing that appears when you search for my name on YouTube. Um, That's oh sad. But it, it proves that we are all ridiculous in this industry. And, um, you know, we. it's a shame... I can't say thank you to him because I work in it, so I have to be careful what I do say. But it's um, I, I enjoyed it because it's just well made. If it, if it wasn't well made, I think it would be bad. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think... I don't think it would be worth making if it wasn't well made, though, because then that is when it sort of goes into the realm of you're just making a video to take the piss. Mm. Whereas there's been yeah. a lot of effort put into this, and it's clearly... It's clearly meant to be a very well done parody. It's hopefully, yeah. hopefully not meant to offend anyone because, you know, he, he, hopefully he never says names at any point. So it's not, hi, I'm Jordan. It's, hi, I'm Park Pixie. And I hope that's a character that comes back because that is a, not only is it a very well done character, it's an extremely well performed character. Yes, she was and fantastic. I don't know who she is, but congratulations to her. She's a very good actress. Um, I didn't get the bit with her taking her hat off at the end. I didn't understand that reveal. Is it meant she's wearing a wig or something? Uh, yeah, I no. I think um, I think the point of it at the end bit there was 
that the the person that she was being on the vlogs was a personality. Yeah, that's that's how I took it as well. Yeah. Like a persona. Um, but it's it's very well done and um Which is the only bit I disagree with really, because having met Jordan in real life, she's just exactly the same as she is. She's cool. On vlogs as she is in person. She's fantastic. Yeah. I love her. Bab. Um it's <sighs> It, it, it's just you know wonderful and i just hope that if they continue they do the smart stuff and don't go down the cruel really cruel route because that's not fair to anyone you're not impressing anyone by being like that um you know it's i i enjoyed it yes i have seen it to go back to the question and <laughs> um i think it's the best one he's ever done yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had not forayed into the part of YouTube until I saw the the, the Park Pixie video. And then yeah. I watched all of the other ones and I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> Some of them are a bit close to the bone. So I'm glad that hopefully this channel continues to exist and make funny, really well done videos. But hopefully they continue in the same sort of vein that this current one is where it's like a lot less close to the board and a lot more a parody rather than just offensive towards people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, there's a second part to that question. Well, that's oh completely different. Um, what's... <laughs> Actually, I don't even... What? Um, Can you read? Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Can you <laughs> even read, bro? <laughs> they wrote three questions, but then they said the middle one was a joke, and then they wrote serious questions for the last one, so I'll skip the middle one. Um... Would you ever think of branching into video game music? This is from Mark Cooper. Now, I get asked this a lot, and I, I, I enjoy doing the theme park music because I love theme parks. I'm not a gamer, so I don't feel I would have much... I, I'd just be another composer trying to work in the... You know, trying to be a composer of game music purely for the sake of being a composer. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. I... If I played games, I would love to be a game gaming composer. But I like theme parks, so I'm happier doing music for theme parks that I can then go to the parks and in, and you know enjoy. And I feel in the creative um, side of creating the music and working with everyone else, I can contribute my knowledge of rides and theatre and parks to working alongside the music. But with gaming, all I would just be was doing music. And I like the fact that I can offer more than just music, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I I love video games. And if I was a creative, I would agree in the same way that whilst I love video games, it's not the same kind of experience with music. Music really does help with video games. But Hmm. I think there's something really special about when you into a park that's got specific music for specific rides, different parts of the park, and it reminds you of that part of the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I get um, you know, I I get asked a lot, what is music about in parks? And music is the biggest, other than smells, music is the biggest stirrer of uh, mem- of memories. Yeah, and you know whether it's Hall of the Mountain King at Towers or whether it's um. No subspecies, or um, it's a fucking small world at Disney. (laughs) It still still brings you back to that first time that you 
heard it. And, and I wish I'd never, ever heard it world. Eh, you know, but if you just hear it for a second, you're there. And, <laughs> well, you know, it depends what your thoughts on subspecies are, but you haven't done it yet. So it's... I was talking about it's a small world subspecies. Oh, we love it's a small like world. It, it's very, very clever. It's, um, it's interesting. But music is very, very powerful. And it, it, it just has its place in a park. Now, if we look at Star Wars Land, and not many people have noticed this, some have, but there is no music. Is that right? And the reason there's no music is because if you were on a planet, why would there be symphonic music playing around you? And That's this very th- interesting. This brings an immersion to a whole level. And I, I've said it before in other chats. I love the Harry Potter thing at Universal, but the ironically, I feel terrible saying this because it's what I do. The music removes me from the immersion because when I'm walking through a Scottish village, there isn't a symphonic orchestra playing around me. Yeah. So I can see what they've done with Star Wars. There is a soundscape of droid beeping and whirring and, and you know communication and bits and bobs. And there's transitional music when you walk into the land, but there's no land music. They're not it's playing all... the Cantina band, just as no, well. and they're not playing da 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 or the music that <laughs> John Williams wrote for the land. And it, it kind of works both ways because oh yes, this is actually immersive, but you're thinking this isn't what I'm used to when it comes to a theme park because there is no lush soundscape. So yeah, I'd sort of be stuck between. I think it's a great idea that, and I've seen a lot more stuff as well. It doesn't put so much effort into, um. Like, there's no Mickey heads and stuff like that on the fast and stuff like that. There's nothing. Mm. There's no Disney merch in there. It's all Star Wars merch. It's not, like, merch. It's all to do with what you would buy no. if you were on a planet. You know, I, I was disappointed by the fact that they introduced Coca-Cola. Yeah, I was I was more impressed when it was all, it was all, like, the blue milk and all of that yeah. rubbish, and you couldn't buy branded stuff in there. Um, And you, they say credits instead of, like, money. Mm. Um, but I totally agree with you in the sense that I'm so used to walking into a park and feeling totally whimsical because there is music surrounding me and it's wonderful and I'm used to that kind of experience especially at Disney that I'm worried that it would take away from my personal immersion because I I would be expecting a soundscape constantly because I'm used to that well there is but it's no music Yes, it's what we call diegetic music audio so that means that there is a source whether it's the droid in the corner or, or even the band but the rex the dj in the cantina is playing music so that does have a source but there's no massive symphonic orchestra playing as you're walking from yeah they're not one... playing like the star wars theme as you walk no. like they do on that's, hyperspace because that's, because that's not immersive yeah and i think it's a really interesting Certainly, a, a thing that's never been done before. Um, and I did a whole podcast for this for the season pass with Ryan Nixon talking about immersion and what it actually means. Um, that went on for about three and a half weeks, and, <laughs> and, and we talked about this at length. So, um, if you want to, if you want to hear my same TED talk, head on over to the season pass podcast. Jake will put the link in the description. Yeah, if the episode ever gets I will. Posted. 
if yeah, if ever it'll be up. out. It'll be out next week. Sorry, I'm also right. chatting to someone very quickly. Um, maybe, probably, anyway. Um, moving on. Okay, answer the question. I'm sorry. I, I, I yes, can't, yeah, it did. I don't remember what the question was, but never mind. <laughs> you did. You did answer the question. Don't worry. We very rarely answer the questions correctly, but people yeah. Do. So. The tangents. Okay, um, you've sort of covered this next one, so I'm going to change it a little bit. I hope the person doesn't mind who's asked it. You and Botra, by the way. Um, it was, how did you get into the theme park music industry? But we'll go with, uh, how would someone aspiring enter the theme park music industry? I have no idea. <laughs> Wing um, it. It... It's different for everyone. You know, there's no degree you can do. I mean, certainly you need training in music, I think, because you're writing such a wide variety of music. You're not just putting beats together. Um, you're dealing with world music elements, so you need a, a real training in, you know, everything, effectively. There, there, are, there should be no limits. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> you... You're effectively your own business as well, so you need to have an understanding of that. Um, you are, you know, it's it, it's just, and you have to love parks. I think that that's what's, um, it's certainly what I like to think I offer is knowledge of parks and rides and theatre. And I think the, there's a question later I know about this, and they are so massively intertwined, the three of them, um, and music and storytelling, and um, it's, you're not just a composer, you're a storyteller. You are working with the other elements. You have to understand about lighting, and you have to understand about um, capacity, and you have to understand about um, you know, throughput and cue lines and how they operate and what you can do with sound and what you can do with the voices and what you can do with telling stories because that's that's what we're doing you know disney did it best every single thing about disney comes back to the story um and i know it is a word that's chucked around but immersion is a very very big thing um and yeah so you just have to be interested in everything not just a composer but i think all of if you're listening to this podcast you obviously are a fan of theme parks and you obviously do have a, an interest and a passion for them so that's you know 40 percent of it but uh yeah, that's all I can say about that because my path of getting into the industry was not natural at all. Um, you know, you don't go onto the Merlin Careers website; they don't advertise for composers for attractions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. I've checked. Ugh. Right, what have we got next? Okay, this one's from Theme Park Pete, patron, uh, good friend of the podcast. Uh, which ride would Nick most like to create music for? Either the ride hasn't got any currently or thinks that you could improve on it. Um, this is difficult for me to answer. Okay, yeah. But... Or maybe, how about we say, what ride did you wish you could have made the music for? If that's I... easier. Um I'm very happy to just this season, we've just put in a load of audio oak. Um, so to do something for Megaphobia, the best Woody in the country, was a real dream for me because I love that ride. It's just, you know, it's wonderful. Sorry, Wicker Man. Um, <laughs> we don't and... apologise to Wicker Man on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless yes, you do. <laughs> um, he might sacrifice me if I don't. But I like, 
Um, I don't know. I, I think that's a that's a big question. It's a hard yeah. question. Yeah. Is what is it again? Word it slowly. Um, if you could make music for any ride, what what ride would it have been? Oh, Phantom Manor. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> because the Haunted Mansion was the ride that got me into. I remember riding on my ninth birthday in Orlando with my sister and my dad, and at that moment, I said, "I want to do something in this industry." So to go to the new, shiny, beautiful Phantom Manor in Paris, which had a new score written for the first time ever for that ride, I'd love to have done that. Um, more recently, probably Wicker Man would have been cool. Icon would have been nice. Um, but I, I prefer to do storytelling-based dark rides than just a, a, a coaster, because you... You don't really hear the music on a coaster, do you? Yeah, it's a massive, it's a massive shame as well because I've listened to some soundtracks, of, like the like the Nemesis story that just never gets told anymore. Um, yeah. and the story that was meant to be behind Icon, like if you listen to the full thing and put all of the elements. Amanda's together, dream. Yeah, Amanda's dream <laughs> about the the dagger falling and all that shit. Like when you listen, when you when you've heard that ridiculous story, and then you listen to the way the the theme for Icon is composed. And I absolutely love the icon. I literally, mm. I I listen to it all the time. I'm that gal, and I just it's insane. Like you can, there is a point where the crescendo changes, and you can tell that that's the point where the dagger was meant to have fallen, and all this shit. And I just, I think it's great, but I think it's a bit sad that unless you're a nerd, <laughs> you don't really but, look into that part. But don't of you it. love the fact that? It, but don't you love the fact that it's available? I mean, I guess. Yeah, and that's something that Blackpool did really well. And, uh, you know, the thought music is sort of available. Um, but generally, Merlin are quite strict on that because obviously they own it and they don't want it getting in the wrong hands. Yeah. Um, but I love yeah, the fact that. It's a massive shame, to be fair, because some of the Merlin soundtracks are good. Like, I don't like the Smiler soundtrack, but I wouldn't mind, you know, being able to, like, have a laugh about it and listen to it occasionally. Yeah, ha ha ha. Um... <laughs> But I, I, I like the fact that Blackpool went that extra mile and made it available. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a great soundtrack, but it, it, it's theme parky, dare I say. It is a very beautiful score. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to have done Phantom Manor just because I, I, I love that ride. I think it's the best version of Haunted Mansion we have until I go on Mystic Manor. Yeah, very. Ex- I've, I've managed somehow since all of the new. Like rides about at Shanghai and stuff. I've managed to get no spoilers. Wow! And well done. I intend to not have anything spoiled until I actually get there and see. So I'm trying really hard. <laughs> but you know, like their version of Pirates, like Tron, Mystic Manor, it all sounds, from what I've heard, amazing. So. I'm excited to, you know, walk into those attractions for the first time and hear the the soundtracks that Disney have put on. Well, Danny Elfman did the Mystic Manor soundtrack, and it's 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 very very good. Well, um, I, I, well, we, we trust in one man, and it is Danny Elfman. So, but, well, we trust in Disney because they are the best in the world at all this Everything. stuff. Yeah, and um, no one does part music like Disney. No one at all does part music like Disney. No, there's nothing quite. 
Nothing quite yeah. touches that sort of way, level. Of... The way they blend the lands from one into the other, they will think about everything. So you never even notice the music change from futuristic to um, Adventureland or whatever. Yeah, it just works. Um, and yeah, that, that's you know they are. I, mean, I tip my three corner hat to you, sir. Rich, <laughs> <laughs> do we have yeah. any more questions? We do. We've got a few more. Um, so this one's from Owen, previous guest. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on I'm a Score taking over the theme park music scene? So I guess uh, ask that as a question because I know you have an interesting answer to it. Um, are they taking over? That's an interesting answer. I'm I'm I'm, I'm reading the question. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, don't think so. They're used a lot in Europe. They're definitely but, not in the Americas, though. But Disney hasn't touched them. Universal haven't touched them. Bush haven't touched them. SeaWorld haven't touched them. Six Flags haven't touched them. Cedar Fair is sort of used them, but that's only through Pete Cliff working with Hollivers for Mystic Timbers. Um, I'm a score great, and they do their product very well, but people need to understand the difference between quality and quantity. Just because something is used a lot doesn't make them good. Now, they have wonderful, wonderful music sometimes. The oh. the Monster House Party at Legoland is excellent. They do dance music, and by that I mean German dance music, very, very, very well. Their lush, symphonic, epic stuff, I could give or take, and I know a lot of people say the same. Um, and I just have an issue with 17 people sitting down to write music. Because you're not getting one voice. Yeah, and all credit to I'm a score. They do it. They do what they do incredibly well. But you know, I'm not as big as them. I'm not trying to be as big as them because I'm not 18 people. I'm not an orchestra. I'm not you know 15,000 terabytes of virtual instruments and things like that. Um, I like to think that I offer more than just music. And that's what I'm starting to see with various projects I'm working on. I like to help with story crafting and script writing. Like if you go to Bouncilla at Thorpe Park, 80% of the script was written by me that gets said. It's silly and funny and it's all a parody on purpose. Um, but people like it. So I like to think that's what I offer. Now, I'm not saying I'm a score bad because they're not. They are absolutely excellent at doing epic music, beautiful music, um, and very, very fun German music. I can't wait to hear Lisa Berg and go to Lisa Berg and hear the Helix soundtrack because I enjoy that soundtrack. I think the Smiler is excellent. The Monster Haunted House Monster Party, whatever it's called, is brilliant. Um, I just wish that the geeks would realize there are, other, there are other people out there doing this more than just Diamond School. Yeah. I think that's very well said. Yeah, so they're not really taking over to answer that one, I guess. I suppose if, if you're a, you're a uh, dare I say it, theme park fan, if you are an enthusiast, it can seem very much like Iron School are taking over if you're a UK enthusiast because yeah. a lot of UK parks and European parks Parks that we get the most exposure to do use a lot of Iron Score, but yeah. when you when you look at the wider situation in the theme park world, they're not really as big as they seem to us. But we are such a small 
island really in the big scheme of things. That's a fair point. And and uh, they do incredibly well. Um, their branding is excellent. They, their communication with the fans is brilliant. Um, but they are a massive factory of people. And it's like when you watch an American sitcom, say Friends, compared to a British sitcom, for example, One Foot in the Grave, an American sitcom will have 55 writers, 55 producers, and every episode will be brilliant. You'll laugh, you'll smile, you'll cry, but they're very formulaic. If you have yeah. One Foot in the Grave, David Renwick, one of the greatest writers in British TV history, there will be twists, there will be turns. It won't go where you expect it to because you don't have 40 people meeting to create the same result. Now, they're b- both are excellent. You know, we're very happy to sit down and watch Friends or Frasier or Will and Grace or whatever because that format works very well. We'd also sit down very happily and watch um, the opposite. You know, Only Fools and Horses had one writer. One from the Grave has one writer. It it just, it's, it's different horses for different courses, I think. <laughs> different Fools and Horses. Yeah. Well, there we go. He's got a bit more to this question. Um, what are you, some of your favourite go-to VST slash sample libraries? Uh, so by VST, you mean virtual instruments. Yeah. What I use. So I use Logic Pro, which is the wonderful Apple uh, digital audio workstation, or DAW, as we call it. Um, I love... I use Project Sam, I use Albion, I use East-West, and I use... Um, for the more bizarre stuff i like to use the apple um alchemy which they offer which is a wonderful oh, yeah. sound bending tool that has some wonderful kind of very theme parky sounds which are coming incredibly useful at times um but you can have all the all the tricks in the book but you're still presented at the beginning it with a blank page and you still need to come up with the melody and the chord pattern and the time signature and so it doesn't do everything for you but having these vast array of sounds does help. I think we're in a very lucky position where we can almost create the sound of a symphonic orchestra. I mean, we um, nothing will beat the sound of a hundred violins playing all at once because there are, you know, there's a human side to that that no computer can create. Mm. Um, but. If it's just background noise playing amongst the trees, I think you can generally do quite a good, you know, effect. I'm not saying that we put less effort into it, but I'm saying it's not a concert hall. Um, I think where the tech does fall down is that people write things that don't sound human. So you'll get a trumpet that plays a note for four minutes, and that's just not possible. So they think if the computer can do it, then um, the human should be able to do it. But if you write realistic sounding music in the, the software, you can get very good results. Um, you know, Disney will always use London Symphonic Orchestra at Abbey Road because they can. Um, the new Illumination soundtrack written by um, Hans Zimmer were all recorded at Abbey Road with the London Symphonic Orchestra because they can afford $55,000 to do that. <laughs> we, some of us can't. You know, the parts don't really have massive budgets for, for music um so we work with what we can and it gets 
good results, I think. You know, if you listen to the the old Tower Street music compared to the new Tower Street music, the quality is it's amazing what yeah, it's not a day. computers can do. Um so we're we're at a very exciting crossroads. Kinda sucks if you're an orchestral player because <laughs> um they I you might be Disney will always like you. Yeah, and, and I remember playing um I think it was the Enchanted soundtrack to a, an orchestrated friend of mine. And he listened to it and said, well, at least they're using real orchestras still. And we have to give Disney credit for this. As going back to what I was saying earlier, they are the, the best use, users of theme park music and audio and orchestras and musical theatre. They're the biggest... Disney have been producing musical theatre since 1923 or something, whenever they started. You know, every single year they put out a musical, whether it's in a park, whether it's on stage, whether it's in a film, whether it's on television. They their use of music is second to none, and for that I'm grateful for them. Um, you know, that's that's they're very 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 impressive for that aspect of things, and I like the fact that parks are taking music more seriously. Um, because it does add to the immersion. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I think since, um, since the great uh, soundtrack and the great response to the soundtrack icon, hmm. um, Pleasure Beach announced that they're adding audio to the big one, like Good. proper, like soundtrack audio. And I think yeah. that's something that a lot of posters, especially in places like Pleasure Beach, which are like sort of, sort of bordering that line between amusement park and theme park now. Um, Someone needs to get into Alice in Wonderland, though, and change that audio. Yeah. It's... Someone just needs to... I, I love the attraction for the nostalgic reason. You know, <sighs> Walt Disney's been there. Mm. You know, Walt Disney approved that attraction. He, he wanted it there, but... I love that. I love Walt Disney more than I love life itself, but also, please get rid of it. <laughs> or just change it, or just update it in some way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even the, the spelling that, that, mistakes. Knowing Amanda, like, she'll just whip it down. She'll just put another hot ice stage there or something. <laughs> she loves hot ice, doesn't she? Jeez. But to be yeah. fair, to, to be fair to Amanda, when the you know when, when you know um, our whole family were in charge and it was all separate areas, Amanda was always in charge of the stage work side of things, and that is yeah, her, her, that's her that's her business. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all, and it always it's always a bit shocking to me that people are like, well, she cares more. about hot ice and I'm like yeah because hot ice is her thing that's what she does but by that argument she should also care about the more show right elements so Alice in Wonderland um, and the ghost train which is wonderful but Alice could do with some work but have to close it for a long time and we all know what Pleasure Beach is like when they kind of close things and decide to um, how long it takes them to reopen things but Valhalla is excellent um, Absolutely the best water ride I've ever been on in my life. Yeah. And it, it doesn't belong in that park, but it's there and we love it. it <laughs> um, but that could do with more powerful audio, I think. Uh, um, see, the station itself, the audio in the Valhalla station, incredible. Love the like Nordic sort of you're, you're waiting to be absolutely sacrificed to some kind of god feel of it but mm. 
I think it's very much, yeah, I agree, inside the actual ride itself, it's very much lacking that, that kind because, of immersive audio that you would, you would think would it, be in there. Even just adding audio would add a story to Valhalla. Yeah, like, at the I, minute it's just like... <laughs> I don't get Valhalla. Are we in Valhalla? Are we travelling to Valhalla? <laughs> yeah. Are we goodies? Are we baddies? Are we, have we done wrong? I mean, uh, so I think, but adding you audio... Wet, you just get wet in it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Adding audio could just do so much for a dark ride like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Because at the yeah, minute it's it, is, it just has a piece of music which plays on a loop. And you, um, just, you just get drowned in... Which doesn't really... Uh, yeah, there's no kind of... Pissy, pissy sea water. I thought you get drowned in. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. But, <laughs> but like the, the, so the audio that's in there doesn't fit in with anything that's happening. It, it's just background noise to getting soaked as opposed to a coherent, cohesive story that you progress through. I, I will say the I had a first time only about four years ago, and um, I'd never done it before, and I did it three times in a row. The first you time I was crazy. The first time I was absolutely covering myself head to toe. Um, it was a hot day, so I was just you know nervous. Second time I was a bit more aware of my surroundings and what was about to happen and i was watching the third time i thought screw this i just took my poncho off and just sat there in shorts and, and a t-shirt and just said and this happened at the time i went on it um since i said just throw it at me because you know <laughs> they, they do literally button. just throw it at you no. i rode valhalla on opening weekend uh i was about to ride it till alex grunt broke it i um, did he did break it but I, uh, sorry, so the, the third time I went on in that session, I got the Ring of Fire. I've never had the Ring of Fire. And I. This is well documented <laughs> as an issue in if you watch, if anyone watching the podcast also watches Lewis's vlogs. Um, vlog. <laughs> the Subscribe last, if you haven't the already. Last, the last vlog I was in, me and Matthew come off Valhalla and we talk about the fact that we saw, like when you go around a corner, you can see the boat before you. Like mm. going down that drop, and we saw the ring of fire, and I was like, "Holy fucking shit! This is it. We've got it. The ring of fire's on. It's great." And then we stopped, huh. and we Damn. didn't get the ring of fire. <laughs> and to this day, I am still furious. And apparently now they fire out LED lights, which is a massive shame. Well, I very rarely break out and applaud, applause, applaud, applause on rides. But that got me because that was so awe-inspiring as a story element, and the way the water extinguishes the fire—you think we are going through? Oh, we're not because the water's going to put it out. And that it was—it's a wonderful moment, and um, I'm just you know glad I got to experience the ride at its very best. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sad I've not experienced it. It's a shame the effects aren't aren't more reliable than they are, and. You know, to to deliver a more consistently impressive ride experience, but uh, here and we are. It is what it, it is. Would, it would make it massively more impressive, which is massive. Yeah. Valhalla to me is already a very impressive ride. The fact that it's got like the walls are held up by bin liners, and you've got this world class dark ride is just wonderful. Yeah, um, Lewis. The last time, you, <laughs> the last time you went on Valhalla, had text broken, and it was just shooting the water horizontally. Uh, yeah, the water jets were kind of head height. 
Um, so, the, so the water <laughs> vortex, rather than being a tunnel of water that you go through, it was more like a car wash with the top down <laughs> that you go through. So, you know, there was that. And, and also, I saw it once, and the, the fountain at the door wasn't going off. Oh, God. So, but it, you're, you're drenched anyway, so you might as well, yeah. you know, just get it on with as, as early as yeah. possible. You know, you know what's funny? Every single time I go on it, I forget about the vortex. Mm. And we go down the drops and stuff, and I move, I move out of the way of the water coming in the side of the boat when you go around certain corners. And I'm like, yes, I've smashed this. And then you get the water vortex, and you're like, there's no way. There's nothing I can do here. No, there's there absolutely isn't. fuck all I can do to stop this water from coming. <laughs> <laughs> but why? I, I wish on a really hot day, you know, that one day of the year in Blackpool gets above 19 degrees, I wish they would... Um, just let you go on in your swimming trunks. <laughs> Why are they so strict about shoes? I, I, uh, they're it, so it strict about for, shoes. Because, is it for evacuation purposes? Yeah, it's literally for evac purposes. Uh, that's the only reason. You have to have. You have to be fully clothed. The show building is a fucking bomb site, basically. Well, I'm sure it was, but you know, it'd be nice. Be nice to be able to go in in your cosy, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be nice as well if. Naked Valhalla ride. <laughs> no, oh, like the, like the naked national on Valhalla. Can you imagine? I'm surprised I haven't. I don't died want to imagine kind of... it. Yeah, literally, I'm surprised none of us have caught some kind of horrific cholera from like the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> True test of will going on that ride. Cholera. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> have we got any more questions, Jake? Um, I mean, do we want to leave it there? There are a few more. Um. Do you want to leave it there or finish them off? We, we can answer them quickly. We'll answer them quickly, shall we? Yeah. Fire questions. There's quick three more. Okay. By the way, he's really got his money's worth this week. Um, I presume you edit the podcast, don't you? I do. Yeah. Thankfully for well, the listeners. I, I say that. You say edit. Um, Cut out the sciences. Yeah, basically. Um, and that, to be fair, cuts quite a lot off. <laughs> Okay, so Owen's uh, final question. Mm. Uh, here's one for both Nick and Jake. As you're both involved in theatrical productions, how much crossover slash similarity is there between putting together a theatrical production and a themed attraction? Did you all love the theatre lead to a lot of theme parks or vice versa? Uh, we, we stand not being included in the theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Owen. <laughs> I, I mean, I've talked about this. It's exactly the same. You're... Telling yeah. stories through sets, lighting, music, and special effects, and act- and sometimes actors. Um, the only difference is your actors might be animatronics or screens. It's it's, it's observational storytelling, isn't it? Mm. Next question. Um, yeah. Matthew nice quick asks, fire answer, Nick. Yeah. Matthew <laughs> asks, "Worst thing about your job?" Uh, waiting, for, thing. waiting for feedback. Okay. Um, because if I'm doing a project, I will be working on the project. One sometimes forgets that the people in charge have 19 million other things going on at the same time. So some for some weeks, I'll, days or weeks, I'll be sitting back waiting to hear back. And your mind always goes to the darkest place thinking, maybe they don't like, maybe they don't like it, but they always do, which is lovely. Um, but you get used to that after a while. Uh, I'm in that rare position where I do what I love, so there aren't really that many bad things about it. Um, the hardest thing, as I said earlier, is starting with nothing. Um, 
have just done a, a new fireworks show of Oakwood, which for their After Dark um, party, which I urge everyone to go to because it's one of the highlights of the year. The fact that this wonderful tiny park in Wales does a fireworks show every Wednesday and Saturday in August is amazing. And this year we're doing something a bit different with the music. Um, so please do go and check it out. But the hardest thing is just starting with nothing. Even if you're an artist, you know, the blank canvas in front of you, it's terrifying. Um, and then you kind of, this weird force takes over you and you don't remember the creative process. You just end up with this piece of art or noise or music and it's it's a wonderful thing. So from terrifying things, only good things can come. So that's the joy of the creative industry. Okay. One final question. This is from Joby. She asks, uh, what's Nick's favourite piece of music he's composed for a theme park? All of them. <laughs> that's the diplomatic answer. Well, I I put the same amount of love into every single thing that I do. The favourite one is also the one I've just completed. My favourite one is the one I'm about to start. My favourite one is the one in the middle of. It's, you know, I, I'm again, I'm very blessed to be able to do this. And um, I love them all. I think if you were to ask other people that question, they might say subspecies. They might yeah. even say theme park fan, even though it's not a piece of music I was commissioned to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was love in there. <laughs> Some would say the Mutiny Bay soundtrack at Alton Towers. Some would say, um, oh God, I don't know, um, Pizza and Pasta at Towers. I don't know. It, it's, um, Did you do the soundtrack for Pizza Pasta? Yeah, at Alton Towers. Incredible. Can't wait. Um, time ago. Some, some, you know, it's, it's all so relative and subjective. Yeah, I, for true. me, it was my first, going back to Oakwood and the fireworks, it was the first fireworks track I did. That was the most proud moment for me because it's purely about the visuals and the music coming together more so than any ride can because in a ride or within an area of the park, you're not really looking, you're not really listening to the music. But in a fireworks show, you are looking at the sky and you're listening to the music and everything's working together beautifully. So I did a big fuck-off track of, of... Epic music. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever heard you swear. It was very exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a, a wonderful moment for me. I think Andy Rumney caught it in his caught in his vlog that there were tears coming out of my eyes, and they were. I, I think I remember Sean's video from that. Actually. Yeah. Um, and there's, I, I don't think there's, you, you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that answer, and all the fact that you know there's um, an, an emotion there. I mean. I'm not on the same level, and Jake, you're not either, but we both work in, well, have worked or currently work say. for Jake in the creative industry in the sense, mm. like, in the theatre side. But every time I watch a performance that I've done, I, I get emotional because I know at that point I was putting everything I had into that. Yeah, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah, it's the yeah. same with that. I think, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a very good answer in the sense that you're always putting everything that you've possibly got into whatever it is. Yeah. That it's hard to pick a favourite one because you've put everything into all mm-hmm. I mean, I well, answer I, I, It's been a great year for me. Um, 
so anything from it's been a strange year for me. Like I was doing odd music for Madame Two Swords in uh, Amsterdam, I think, or no, I can't remember. Hamburg, somewhere in Germany, and uh, Berlin actually. And they were doing. They had a new entrance experience, so I did music for that. A couple of rooms, and I was doing music for Jelly Belly inspired carousels and banana sounding <laughs> Instagram music and whatever. Banana and then, sounding Instagram music. I know. And then, <laughs> I, I want to know what that sounds like. Not gonna lie. And then I was doing German dance music based on the sounds of the Berlin Autobahn. Uh, and oh God. <laughs> You just think, what the? What is my life? And then to go from that to Bouncilla, where you know that took, the Bouncilla track took four months to do. It's fifty of the pop songs we all love to hate, or hate to love, beat matched to one hundred and thirty beats per minute with a silly commentary in between. Um, that was a, a, a massive. Lee fun task and then I went from that to doing a thing for the National Farm, National Family Adventure Farm in Burton-upon-Trent for a new attraction we're opening soon called Space Rangers um, which is a kiddie based sort of escape room sort of walkthrough attraction where I was just doing epic space sci-fi music um, so you want you're covering so many palettes within this world, um, and and it's great because you just don't know what the next job is going to. And then to go from that to the Oakwood gig, which you'll hear what we did for that, and it's not what you'd expect from me. I'll say that when you hear it. Um, it it's just it is my own little thrill ride, and I love it all. There we go. Was that were you crying there, Jake? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, no. But I mean, speaking from personal experience, you know, when you do a project, like Jake gets it. You know, everyone who's creative listening to this will think, yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, I, I do get it, and I do, I do think that it's, it's nice. Like I'm, I've literally spent like most of this podcast either talking about Disney, which is my favorite thing in the world, or just listening to you say the most amazing things. Like this is oh. prob- this is probably my favorite podcast we've done because it's been so interesting having these conversations about the more creative side of the the industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like you know, coming from a personal place, I've been you know I do I do and I've done sound design theater as well. So no, it's it's nice to like hear when it's coming from because I know exactly what it means. And you know, people a lot of people take a track as like something very disposable, like a sound effect or whatever you've made is disposable. But you know, you've been there. For months, you know, through R and D, through rehearsals, whatever you're doing, and yeah, it's uh, it's great when it comes to the end and you've got a product, and it's definitely something to be proud of. But yeah, cool. Well, that was I great. Think, I think that's it. That was a thank lot of fun. Thank, thank you, you very, very much, much Nick, Nick, for coming on. It's been really insightful. It's all right, it's been an absolute pleasure. Finally, hearing, hearing finally, finally, get you on. <laughs> How many months has it been since we sent that tweet out? Is it been like three? Possibly uh, more. It's all, it's all Jake's fault. Yep. Yeah. Entirely him. <laughs> well, Nick, where can uh, where can people find you? Uh, uh, NickHuttonMusic.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. Um, yeah, 
I've just hit 1.5 thousand followers on Twitter, so I'm doing something very nice. nice. I know. Very well done. Very well deserved. And uh, yeah, it's um, if you need any music for your projects, let me know. Um, it's you know, what's the difficult thing about the freelance is what's next? You know, that's always in the back of your mind. But touch wood, it's 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 going all right. I'll uh, I'll put your uh, site in the description Thank if you, you want to go and listen to Nick's stuff. Uh, you you all know who we are. Um, we're the, Make sure you don't forget ones. to link to that episode. That's where he talks. Uh, yeah. the one with Ryan. Gonna... It's not up yet. So oh well, let us know when it is, and we'll make sure we put a link in. I will do. Jake will forget. <laughs> <laughs> so uh... tell me or Lewis, because we are better at. This. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks a lot, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, who knows when the next one will be? Uh, in the future. What Jake means is now that he's finished university, I've got an actual home to live in that I'm not, you know, scraping the ground to pay for. And we are all real adults. And now. Lewis is Lewis. <laughs> I am. I am Lewis. Thank We're you for noticing. We're all real adults in the real world now. We are going to actually have a schedule and probably a lot more. Or oh, schedule, as we say in this country. Ooh, very well, true. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Maybe it's a bite of growth thing. I don't know. It, it, I think it might be. I just can't really speak English. I have to say, um, I'd a, I'd a, I was in LA a couple of years ago. And uh, with a friend who now lives out there, but she's from Newcastle, as she calls it. Um, Newcastle, and I, yeah. And I was with an American, my, my American friend Robert from the podcast. And I said to Kat, do a Geordie accent for Robert. And we're on our way to Disneyland. And Kat said, right, here we are. We're going to car. We're going to go down to Disney. We're going to see Mickey Mouse. Like, and <laughs> he, nearly just... crashed, he nearly crashed the car. Um, that... Wow. <laughs> To be fair, I did get a lot. Of, I got a lot of attention in LA. In LA. I was yeah. there by myself and talking to people who were like, "What? Where are you from? What planet have you come from?" You some kind of Norwegian or something? <laughs> I, mean, I got Swedish. I got Scottish. I got Irish. I was like, "No, I'm from a little town called Newcastle." Uh, Why I man? Fucking dipper. Fucking. Oh, <laughs> Lewis, how exciting! races. How excited oh, are we to get back on Big Dipper on Saturday? Fucking Dipper, man! <laughs> it, it, yeah, very excited. It's the one accent I find really hard to do. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard anyone do it properly, apart from the guy who does it on Game of Thrones. I Catherine, didn't realise he wasn't actually a Geordie. Catherine Tate does a very good Geordie accent. I, I've never heard her do it, but I will have to listen. Um, I can't remember which character it is, but... You know, she's she's amazing accents anyway, but it's one of the harder ones to do. We're gonna go to Disney World, gonna go see Mickey Mouse. It, it's gonna that. go to Disney World, gonna go see Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey. Um, <laughs> it's nicer than the Birmingham accent. You got nice uh, well, see, but this this massive. I used to massively hate the Birmingham accent, and then I watched Pete Blinders, and now there's just something. Well, that's black country. Let's uh, back see blackout. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> next week, part pixie, yeah? Yeah. We'll oh, have, we'll man. I would, I would absolutely love the part pixie character, but also just Jordan. She's, I love having a yeah, good Jordan, conversation with Jordan. Yeah, that'd be good. Right. Fear of keeping everyone too long. Yeah, I've got Go a TPW on. vlog to watch, mate. See you next time. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's a new vlog, Lewis. Let's go over and watch it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Theming and Memeing. 
the most immersive audio experience outside of IMAScore. See you next time for more memes and immersive themes. Breadcombs. I have no idea what that means.